the on the morning train until next Friday at 10 a.m. This is J.D. Buell saying, make it a great day for someone.
Welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today, it's Friday, February 17th, 2017. We are coming to you live from Mutiny Radio here in the Mission District in San Francisco. Thanks to J.D. Buell, who had the show before us, Morning Train. You can listen every Friday from 10 a.m. to noon. Coming up after Mutiny Review. Mutiny Review. That's a new show we'll do. The Mutiny Review. People taking over. I like that, actually. That will be a new show. Someone get on that, please. So we'll have a call coming in around 1230. Some uh, good folks calling in with some good information. That sounds very vague, but you'll see. When the call comes in, then we'll, we'll hear. I'm waking up a bit. It's been a long week. It's been a long few weeks. It's been a long month and a year. There's a lot happening. And it'll be difficult to get to everything, but we'll try to get to as much as possible and also find ways for folks to take action and be active. And at times it seems insurmountable knowing what's happening. Uh, The first thing that comes to my mind is the the ICE raids and the uh, folks around the country. And I think a lot of people want to help. And then there's people are unsure of exactly how to help. And there are things that may be a hindrance, whether there's misinformation getting out and panic setting in if the information's not correct. And so uh, on this show and just in general, just try to provide the truth, the information that will help people. And it's a shame that we're in this state of affairs and then also need to recognize that there are deportations happening in the previous administration. And that was something that was, you know, it's been mentioned before. And I want to keep on coming back to this point that it's not like things suddenly uh, got bad. Uh, Things got worse for sure. Absolutely. I will not argue with that. But things have been happening. A lot of things have been kind of set up in a a bad way, Uh, whether it's deportations or surveillance or drone strikes, uh, killings by law enforcement, for instance. These are things that have been happening for a long time. And it's crucial that we realize that this is not anything new. It's now just been amped up a bit. And There's no sense in going, I mean, we don't have a time machine. Unless anyone who does have a time machine, please call in at 415-550-0511. Or you can come visit us. Uh, I'm not too familiar with time travel, but maybe you could just even come into the studio and talk about helping us out. I don't know what that would look like necessarily, because we'd have to go back really far to undo a lot of the wrongs of quote-unquote civilization. I don't think it's really that civil. Like the... With the last line of the Guns N' Roses song, uh, Civil War, uh, I, don't, I don't know what's so civil about war anyway, says Axel. True. True story. Thinking about how also just to get folks involved as well as... I, I can only speak for myself, but there's that sense of feeling isolated. And so something that I've been doing to feel better is just to go to organizing meetings and going to rallies and protests and actions and other events where I don't feel so alone. And sometimes it's more of a physical presence. Sometimes it's more having conversations with people. Uh, there was a conversation that happened last night at Revolution Books in Berkeley, and that was really insightful. And there's a lot of there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that I think a lot of us know that we're angry about and upset about. And at the same time, aside from knowing that things have to change, there's not necessarily any concrete answers. Or maybe there there are some and we need to really work together, uh, really work together with unity to make sure everyone's needs are being met. And we have to figure out how that's going to happen. So I encourage folks to, to get involved and to challenge oneself. And this will make people uncomfortable, definitely. And that's what's necessary.
And uh, I just want to say I'm, I'm I'm grateful for a lot of the folks who are out there who are who are actively doing things and organizing and putting their bodies on the line and uh, sharing information. And because I think there's that, that sense, I, I myself find that too, looking for someone else to tell me what to do, which is interesting given my feelings about authority and authority figures, which is not kind to put it mildly. There's that sense of like, I don't, I don't want to be told what to do. And on the same hand, on the other hand, I should say, <laughs> uh, there's also for folks I respect and look up to, there is that need for direction because I, what I want to do, I want to use my time wisely and I want it to be effective and to an extent, I don't want to just be speaking into an echo chamber or having us all, oh, yeah, we all agree about what needs to change. But then if we don't do anything to change it, then what's actually happening? So just throwing that out there. Um, yeah. So there's been a few articles posted, and I was going to start off with sharing one, and that is five ways to fight ice raids with power, not panic. And you can find this, I believe we've posted it to the Weekly Review webpage, and I'll do that right now to make sure uh, I am true to my word. And you can find this, um, I know Facebook's evil, so eh, what are you going to do? I guess you can, one can create their own platform. I'm not a tech person, so that's not going to be on my to-do list. But for the, for at the moment, this is what we'll do. So if you go to facebook.com slash weeklyrev, you can find this article right there. It's called Five Ways to Fight Ice Raids with Power, Not Panic. And it's at qiyja.org. And it's a, it's mostly like an infographic. Um, and I'll read to the best of my ability to transfer as much information as we can. So they say, uh, ice and immigration raids are a constant threat to our community. Spreading misinformation about possible raids can bring unnecessary panic and stress to our communities. We know that a safe community is an organized community. So... How do we fight Trump's anti-immigrant attacks with power and not panic? So they have five ways to fight ice raids with power and not panic. One, fight the fear. Don't pile on by spreading rumors. ICE, which is, stands for uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which is way... Gr- I mean, it's. I feel bad for actual ICE, like frozen water, because now they are affiliated with this horrible organization. ICE, which is Immigration and Customs Enforcement, is cruel and deceptive, with Trump expanding an already awful deportation machine. We need to fight ICE's oppression with power, not panic. Rumors about deportation raids can spread quickly online, and that only compounds the panic, depression, and marginalization that many immigrant communities already suffer. You may want to share any possible bad news ASAP in order to warn folks, but even with the best intentions, that can actually do more harm than good. So please keep following the following points in mind. Two, verify before you post or alert anyone. If you hear about a possible ice raid or checkpoint, first, ask if they witnessed it or if they heard it from someone else. Ask the time, location, how many agents, what their badges said, and if they arrested anyone. And then confirm. So you check it out. Uh, check it out yourself or contact someone else uh, before circulating. And then you can contact ICE out of California, which is uh, 1-844-878-7801. Again, the number is 1-844-878-7801. Next, uh, if you witness a possible ICE arrest, document and organize. 
if you see any kind of potential law enforcement misconduct, and I think a lot of, I mean, where's the law enforcement that's actual conduct, not misconduct? That's the question. Anyway, my <sighs> snide remarks aside. So if you do see any potential law enforcement misconduct by local police or ICE, document to the max. Take video and photos. Note the officer's insignia and badge numbers. Remind the person of their right to remain silent. And they have a hashtag here, which is ICE out of CA. Uh, next is share a Know Your Rights KYR information. And the hotline is 1-844-878-7801. They have a, a link here uh, that truth cards, trust cards, ILRC KYR cards. I'm not sure what those are. I, IDP KYR, IDP ICE Raids Toolkit. Okay, so they have links here. Um, so if you go check out the site, you can link to all these uh, pieces of information that they're talking about. Uh, resources, that's the word. And then also the NIP NLG, which is the National Lawyers Guild, uh, KYR, Know Your Rights cards. Got it. Okay. Next, reject Trump's propaganda. Absolutely. And this goes for everything more than just the oh, this bullshit on the. I know we're on the radio, but sometimes you just don't have the words for this kind of fascist nonsense. So we want to reject 45's propaganda. Uh, the 45 regime is going to publish a weekly list of crimes allegedly committed by immigrants. First of all, how about we uh, publish a list of crimes committed by people in the fucking cabinet? Uh, how about the list of crimes uh, committed by uh, former uh, Vice President Dick Cheney or maybe Karl Rove or other folks who uh, still haven't been prosecuted for war crimes? How about that? If we're going to start prosecuting people, uh, we should probably look at the people in power right now because they've fucking uh, 45 is a fucking rapist, so... There's a lot of, if we're talking about crimes, uh, we should start with them. That's my suggestion. Okay. But anyway, so this ding dong is trying to frame people and just put out misinformation. So we want to reject that propaganda. Uh, this is a classic authoritarian tactic. ICE may claim that people targeted in raid have, have certain records. As we fight 45, we need to recognize the humanity of all people, including folks who have had arrests or convictions. Often people with records have endured profiling in a justice system with shocking racial and class disparities. To truly address the crisis of mass incarceration, we must honor the power of rehabilitation and restorative justice. And then at the end of this, they have a, a list of the links to truth cards, trust cards, know your rights cards, uh, link to the National Lawyers Guild, and uh, some more resources. So I really want to encourage folks just to take a look at this and to share that because this is something that folks can go to first. So one of the links is to the Immigrant Defense Project, and that's at immdefense.org. And they have uh, an entire toolkit there as well. So yeah, it's really important that we we check that out and share this actual information on how best to help. And something that I mean, a lot of folks end up talking about are talking about world war two and the parallels. And now we have social media. So one would assume we could use this for good and we can share information. And it's really crucial that we share actual information and not just continue to spread propaganda and not continue to spread lies. So I appreciate for the folks who set up all this, these resources and just to continue to share that. And also, uh, recognizing that like a lot of folks do want to help and uh, being able to 
to share correct information is one way to do that. So that's great. You can also donate to the organization that uh, shared this, and that's uh, at CY, CIYLA. I feel like I'm reading an eye chart. It's a little bit small here. CIYJA.org, and you can donate. So please do donate if you have the capital. That's another thing I want to encourage folks to do. People who do have... Uh, extra money lying around, have money in savings, have money that they're not using, or maybe maybe you get coffee every day. Instead of maybe getting a cup of coffee, donate the five, ten bucks to organizations like this. It's far more crucial. So I really want to put the word out. Uh, money sitting around in a bank could be also used to, to help people save lives. So I want to encourage people to do that as well. So that was the big big thing I wanted to start start with. I know I usually start with a rant, and that was kind of a rant, but really wanted to get into some more information because I have my own emotional. That was one thing we talked about last night was just uh, coming at things from a really emotional perspective, and that's where I come from. It's it's when I get angry about what's happening in the world. It comes from a very emotional place where even if I don't know the people who are directly affected, it still hurts me as someone who cares about humanity. Sometimes I don't know why because humans can be very disappointing, myself included. Uh, the human species, ugh. I mean, look at what we've done to the earth, what we've done to each other, violent, cruel, gross. Um, there's still a lot of beauty in the world, and I do believe in protecting humanity. So, um, And since we are people who are around and have, at the moment, f- freedom of speech for the most part, and right now having the ability to share news on this station, we don't know how long that's going to last. We, we really don't. There's not... That's uh, something else that was mentioned last night, too, is this, first of all, was Milo's. I've talked about Milo on the show before, and we've had a caller call in last week speaking about their experience uh, trying to prevent Milo from speaking. And there's so much evidence as a, that about why it was really necessary for him to be shut down. And something else that was mentioned that I hadn't really spoken about was just his connection to Breitbart and Steve Bannon. So he's a direct link to the White House. This is a fucking fascist regime. So we want, we want to shut them down. We are sending a message by saying, we don't want this propaganda here. We don't want your hateful rhetoric here. He's a mouthpiece for this new administration. And we don't, we don't want that. We don't need that. And that goes, that's a difference than, oh, just free speech. We're saying, no, we don't want this on this campus. And we don't want to. We don't want you to target people. It's it's harmful. So that was one thing that I really wanted to bring up. And there was something else as well. And that was just talking about yeah, so from an emotional standpoint. So for me, hearing about folks I know who were targeted. Um, and again, it shouldn't even matter if I know them or not. If one cares about humanity, it shouldn't matter if they're friends of yours or friends of friends. Um, one should be able to stand up and say no. This is wrong. And on a completely selfish note, then there's that idea, well, you know, they come for these people and then, you know, we're going to be next. And that's very true. It's not like, and it shouldn't, even, even if, even if it didn't work out like that, one should still want to stand up and say, no, I won't, I refuse to let this happen to our fellow humans, our fellow people, peoples on this earth who aren't hurting anyone. I mean, they're, they're targeting the wrong people. They're not targeting white supremacists who are the terrorists. (sighs) I think about what a world what the world might look like if it were a bit switched and so many things it feels backwards a lot of the time when we see especially here in San Francisco so many people on the street and empty apartments when we see banks and not food banks when we see a lot of bars and not as many bookstores and places for people to gather but very, you have to have a certain amount of money to get in or people get kicked out, or other people are profiled or discriminated against, when there are people who are paid 
to serve and protect, to protect and serve, whichever way you want to spin it, and end up killing people. And this is the this is the world that we live in. So, what can we do to change it? It really feels like opposite, like the opposite world a lot of the time. And I think for a lot of us, it always has. Um, the environment. I mean, we can go into so many things that are terribly wrong with people in positions of power, and that's been a theme of this show since the very beginning. And as the show has gone along, that's just it continues on. It's people in positions of power making life miserable and dangerous and harmful for the rest of us. And what can we do to change that? And that's why I'm grateful to talk to folks who are actively doing that, actively challenging the system and actively challenging those folks and trying to find ways, sometimes in the system, sometimes out of the system, which I really respect, to create new ways of living. Because we can burn down the system, which I, that's one way of doing it. And at the same time, we need to create something else to go towards. So what are these alternates that we, alternatives that we want? And that brings me to uh, a, a, a plug. Uh, first of all, we don't really have any sponsors on the show. If you would love to uh, sponsor the show, it'd be really great. This is a, a labor of love, and I do it because I feel the, ne- the need to and have the ability to, so I want to share the news. Um, but don't, you know, we, it's all volunteer. So if you would like to help donate, to cover the rental of the space. That would be much appreciated. Feel free to contact me about that. That would be awesome. It'd be appreciated. Have to make that plug. I don't have any PBS tote bags to to offer. Um, your My undying gratitude would, would is what I can offer. So I do plug things anyway. Um, events that are coming up so folks can um, participate in the world a little bit better. And I really appreciate folks who, who offer... Yeah, alternatives and different ways that we can help one another. So there's an event that I'm in the process of pulling up at the moment. And that's happening this Sunday at the Oakland Peace Center. And this is, I talk a lot on the show about law enforcement and how, first of all, laws, most laws are pretty dumb. I think we can agree. They're unjust. <laughs> second of all, <sighs> second of all, um, we need to have alternatives because they're just not, uh, we need to have alternatives because police often end up, if when they're called in, they end up hurting people. There's been stories for time and time again, uh, for instance, people in domestic violence situations, police come in and they sometimes arrest the wrong person. That happens quite a bit in same-sex relationships. Uh, if someone's having a mental health issue, they will sometimes kill the person. It can't be more blunt than that, and that's that's what's, what's happened. So they're just not trained to handle these things. So... I appreciate the folks who are finding alternatives. What we can do, you know, sometimes if you're taught, oh, this is what you should do in an emergency, you should call the cops, and then they don't help out, or they oftentimes make things worse. So I appreciate when people offer trainings and alternatives, because that's what we need to do. We need to create a new way of being. So this Sunday at 3 p.m., if folks are interested, at the Oakland Peace Center, uh, there's a workshop hosted by Poor Magazine, and that is How Not to Call the Cops or Sheriffs Ever Workshop. And again, that's at the Oakland Peace Center, Sunday, 3 p.m., How Not to Call the Cops. And I'll read the details about this. And so if you're able to go this Sunday, please do. You can RSVP online. There's an an invite on Facebook. Um, And if not, they they offer this every few months or so. And also just to encourage folks to think about, okay, what do you not like? What's, you know, what do you not like? And what can we do to provide alternatives? Because that's a big thing. If we eventually, people stop taking part in the system as is, it will naturally crumble. So I want to encourage people to do that. 
So this is the second How Not to Call the Cops, Sheriffs, and the Courts Ever workshop featuring the poor, unhoused, disabled, black, brown, indigenous, elder, and youth leaders, artists, cultural workers of Poor Magazine, and Prensa Pobre, Poor News Network, PNN, a homefulness who have practiced this concept for 20 years, even throughout their own collective traumas, colonization, gentrification, family violence, eviction, incarceration, displacement, betrayal, and the attempted takedown of the landless people's movement called homefulness. And this workshop is dedicated to 100-year evicted elder Iris Canada. Walking this walk among a poor and indigenous people's-led movement means facing our demons all the time. Because we all come out of collective trauma experiences of racism, white supremacy, ableism, family violence, false borders, eviction, houselessness, criminalization, elder child abuse, sexual violence, rape, incarceration, police violence, genderism, hate crimes, and so much more. And we have a call. Hello. Hello. Hi. I know this is Mutiny Radio. This is. Hi, sweet Gail. And I don't know what goes with your electronics, but it's like a low, low whisper. I know you're there, but I don't know what you're saying. Oh, well, I'm speaking right into the microphone. I, I can hear that whisper, but I, I can't make out the words. Oh, well, I'm, I'm speaking. Can you tune it up? Uh, this is as loud as it can. Put another nickel in the jukebox. <laughs> oh, put another nickel in the I jukebox. I no. This is as loud as we can get, and I don't want to oh my uh, God, I don't know. hurt the listeners' about ears. Your electronics, you have to turn a special button to make it go higher. Oh, well, this is, as, this is as loud as we can go, Gail. Ah, darn it. I can hear you, but I can't make out what you're saying. I'm sorry about that. This is as loud as I, we can oh, go. I'm yeah, sorry about that. Yep. Yep. Well, it's a stretch to hear it. Yeah, well, there's nothing we can do oh, at this well. point. Do, do you know why the uh, the voice is the sound is so low? If I did, then I would be able to fix it. If you did, you'll probably fix it. I'd fix it. Yep. Well, maybe you could inquire, and then if I ever catch you again, then we could have a a more easy conversation. That sounds like a plan. You probably know who this is. Maybe you could. I can't hear you. Yep. You know who this is. It's sweet girl. That big old ham. And it's trying to figure out how to get some of that entertainment money. Yep. Because what the f*** did the Kardashians got? Wow. You know? Oh, they got money. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll have to catch you another time. Maybe you can figure out how to put the electronics up. Sure. Bye now. Bye, oh. Gail. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, thanks, sweet Gail, for calling in. Hello? Hey, Roman. Hey, thanks for calling in. <laughs> Poor gal. Can't hear you. Oh, yeah. Uh, can you hear me okay? <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Great. Um, well, we are actually on the air, so we can we can start chatting now, if you'd like, if you're open to that. Okay. Cool. Would you like so, to... Yeah, so I was listening to, you know, you were talking about um, the all the horrors of this, this whole what's going on and it's true this homelessness problem that we have that um there are vacant you know buildings and and yet we have all these homelessness and they're being threatened by the police just because they're they're tenting you know trying to fucking oh can i curse oh please we actually encourage oh, that okay, <laughs> completely uncensored and you're also welcome to introduce yourself uh, if you'd like oh yeah hey 
I'm Maya. Um, I'm with the Revolution Club, and I'm also an organizer with RefuseFascism.org. Yeah. Excellent. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for, for, for calling in. Yeah, yeah, and this is completely uncensored, so um, okay. I say fuck the police a lot on this show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you were talking about the police, you know, um, the pigs. And, you know, that one thing is the police are not here to serve the people, you know. Right. They're actually here to serve and continue this oppression and exploitation. So they're, they're, they're here to serve this capitalist empire. Yeah. And that's why we see murder after murder after murder of mostly blacks, Latinos, and natives. And they get away with it. Yeah. You know? And this is going to be in a different, it's, it's a completely qualitative different leap now with Trump in power. He's been talking about law and order, you know? So it's, it's a nightmare for those ha- that have been af- mostly affected. And, it, it, and, and that is why, you know, refuse fascism it's, it's, has been working so hard and is working even harder now to mobilize people to get them out of office because it's going to be a horror for humanity and the planet, as you know. Yes. Um, and one of the things is this, this law and order thing that we're seeing right now with deportation, you know, and, and Trump talking about giving more power to the police to actually be basically, you know, eyes in the making yeah. and, and, and taking that responsibility. And it's already been, ha- it's already happening. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's, it's a nightmare and we see it coming. It's a train wreck. And what is it that w- we need to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, I mean, in an ideal world that we wouldn't even have police or we would have communities look out for each other and people wouldn't, because I, I recognize that some folks turn to this um, under capitalism. Unfortunately, there's that idea that someone, you know, we need money to survive or people to support their families. And if there are jobs that are offered with pensions and with benefits, that's something that might be appealing to people. And if these jobs weren't there in the first place, then that wouldn't be an issue. Right. Yeah, it's all all these, I mean, I was just uh, briefly listening to his talk yesterday, Trump, uh, the press conference, and it's absolutely so fascist, so Hitler-like, you know, pressing and muscling the press. And this is to train people to, to believe that the truth comes from anything that he says. You know, and um, and everything that his, his his whole agenda, even before he became president, is is it's one is he's all about America first. Mm-hmm. You know, and he unleashed and he gave power to all these white supremacists that we know have always been there. Yeah but now are out of the closet and are very bold and have no shame in expressing who they are because now they have someone in power. Yeah. And Trump promised those people, which are, uh, some of them are, a lot of them are poor white people. Yeah. Then themselves are 
oppressed under the system. Yeah. And Trump has talked to them as if this, he's going to make the society better for them by promising jobs. But, you know, this is what Hitler did. And what kind of jobs are those going to be? Yeah. You know, building concentration camps. You know, those are the jobs that he's talking about. And it's and that's only a temporary thing. Right. You know, after after a while, there aren't going to be any more jobs because that's it, it's not viable under this capitalist system. Um, how 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 international um, this economy works. Yeah. So they are being bamboozled. And we need to we need to unleash all those who didn't vote for him, but also those who kind of have some consciousness of something is not right. Yeah. We need to bring those people as well forward. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think people definitely want to do something and are just not sure exactly. I think people definitely want to do something. They're just not sure, not sure what exactly to do or how to participate. Yeah. Yeah. People, that's true. And, you know, that's part of the analysis that Refuse Fascism has made, that there are millions of people who hate Trump, who hate what this um, administration is doing, is, and will do, but don't know what to do besides yeah. protesting or or besides going through the normal process of what, what people have been doing, which is writing to Congress people, um, working within the system, right? Yep, yep. And we see the potential of millions of people rising up, but it has to be on the goal, on the determination to have those people protest, but with the goal of getting this regime out of office. Yes. And that can happen, but it's going to take a lot of organizing and a lot of people understanding that that is the only way to prevent any the, all the horrors that we are seeing and even worse, intensifying the horrors. Because see, right now, Trump has not consolidated his 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 fascist regime. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still some issues within the ruling class. Yeah. There are some disagreements as to how to rule the system. Yeah. Not that those people who disagree with Trump. All of a sudden, have some consciousness and some humanity in them. Right, right. It's it's how are they going to rule? Yeah, that's what they're fighting towards, and and so it it it's not yet consolidating where it there's no agreement yet within the ruling class, and so we need to take that advantage mm-hmm. and that advantage of millions of people rising, but again, it has to be. In, in 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 the goal of ousting it out and nothing else, refusing to to accept, refusing to normalize what we've been seeing, because the Trump is Trump and Pence regime are working overtime, you know, and and the people are chasing over his everything that that he implements. People are chasing, and one of the things that the regime does is throws out more things than the people can handle. Yeah. You know, it's like what we're fighting for today is now um, 
is now the past because he has implemented five other things. Yeah. You know, and so eventually that becomes normalized. Eventually people will, will just, oh, that's just how Trump is, you know, or, and that's just how, how it is now. Um, and so we, we cannot get to that point. And, and there's still a, there's still a window here mm-hmm. where we can work towards really getting it out, getting them out of office. Yeah. Because history has shown us from past fascist um, people like, you know, I mean, Hitler is just an example that we give so often. But we have seen the horrors, and, and we, especially knowing that we, what's coming, it is up to the people to do everything possible to prevent it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like people in Germany, they got normalized, and I, I'm not sure they, I, yeah, anyways, I'll stop there. Oh, yeah. So uh, from from what I've heard, just the idea is just to put, the idea is putting sand in the gears to stop business as usual. And for that, we we do need a lot of people to participate. Oh, we're kind of breaking up. Oh, yeah. Um, so from the idea is to put sand in the gears and to stop business as usual mm-hmm. and to get as many people on board as possible. And so I guess one question is like how, again, like we can all continue to tell people and get more and more people involved. And then another another question is once business stops as usual, then then what happens, I guess, is a question. Yeah. Um, right. Then after they're out, what what next? Right. You know, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, well, anyone besides a fascist. It's good. It's it's okay. That's what we want. We don't want anyone that's fascist in power. Right. But you know, I'm, and you, I think you know a little bit uh, of who or what I stand for. I'm yeah. with the Revolution Club, yeah. and we've been fighting for an actual revolution. Yes. You know, before this Trump um, nightmare happened, that's what we were doing. We were putting our our energy and 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 dedication into overthrowing that capitalist imperialist system. Yes. And and since then we have focused in throwing out this fascist regime. Yes. But we we are still working hard and see we don't want to go back to quote unquote the norm which is, you know, it's still a horror for humanity. Yes. You know? Yeah. Under President Obama, that pig who did nothing good for black people. He actually made, he actually did more worse things than any other president for black people. We do not, we don't want to go back to that. Right. And so what we are working towards is an actual revolution, which means overthrowing the whole, the whole regime, the whole apparatus, the military, the courts, everything that it's, that enforces a capitalist system yeah. and replace it with a socialist system. Yes. And if people want to know what kind of system that is, there's already a, um, a constitution called the, the, the Socialist Republic of North America. Mm. And you, people can, can read that, can compare it to the U.S. Constitution and see that it's completely different. It is 
an upside down world, a world that is about humanity, yeah, not about profit. Yes. So that's so that's the world. So after, when people rise up, and we oust this fucker and this whole regime, yeah, we are going to work hard to lead people into continuing to a full revolution and not give in to the old ways. Yeah. Which is con- is still a nightmare for humanity. Yes. For women, for yep. black people, for natives, for everyone here and around the world. And yeah. again, it's the planet it's 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 in danger as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like with this current administration that's just putting everything on overdrive, things that were already problematic in the past are now yeah. just much more overt and yeah. One thing is that exactly. people at least are now able to see it for what it is and to see the system for what it is. Yeah. Right. And and I mean unfortunately though, not a lot of people see it as fascist yeah. fascism. You know, there's there's still there's when I talk to people, you know, people use the word fascism but then they revert back to um the solution is to, you know, again you know, work with the Democrats, work mm. with um, office officials. But if you really know about fascism, you cannot work with the government. Yeah. You know, Trump is, it, fascism is going to overthrow the civil rights and legal rights. And yeah. we've, we've, seen, we've seen that already with LGBTQ and women. Yes. You know, um, and, and also immigrants were DACA. Uh, you know, someone got arrested, and and he's he's able to stay here uh, with DACA, and that's being overthrown. Yeah. And so, it work. It, it's like um, trying to ask a slave owner for, hey, you know, just just give me this piece, and I'll be okay. Just lessen my oppression. Yeah. That's that's not. It it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, because again, fascism is is a qualitative leap from what we've seen, and there are no rights for people under yeah. fascism, and yeah. that is what Trump is is rapidly working tro- towards. Yeah. And we've seen that already uh, with what I just mentioned, and so we need to this right now. We need to be creative, and mm-hmm. we need to, like it said, think outside of the box. Yeah, because what quote unquote has worked for us in the past is not is not working now, and it's not going to work under fascism. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, if if folks want to get involved with the Rev Club, uh, where are or how? What's the best way? Oh, you got cut off. Oh, again. oh, sorry. I was asking if uh, folks want to get involved with the Rev Club. Um, what's the best way folks can participate in discussions or learn, oh, learn more? Yeah, well, um, people can go to uh, revcom.us. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, th- this is a good time to plug in this website because yeah. of the, um, the alternative facts of Donald Trump and his just, it's ridiculous, but it's so serious. You yeah, know? yeah. And, we were taught you were there yesterday talking about the alternative facts and and versus the truth. Yes. And it's important for people to understand how to tell the truth because I've seen 
you know, these these fascists talking about just, you know, they're so wrong and we have facts to prove that. Yeah. But they're very compelling, you know, they're very compelling in how they speak. Yes, yes. And so that's very dangerous because mm -hmm. they're very, anyways, so Revcon.us is constantly putting in um, articles on what's happening and it's based on an analysis of, you know, objective reality, objective truth, and why, why, are, why is Trump and this whole regime acting the way they are? Yeah. You know, why is so much lies? There's a purpose for that. You yeah. know, same with black people. Why, you know, this is a good question. Why are black people in masses out on the streets? Mm. You know, there are a lot of people protesting, but we don't see those masses of people, of black people out on the streets. And there's a reason for that. You know, and there's an article online um, that talks about this is what Obama role was during his presidency mm -hmm. to to keep black people from rising up, blaming black people for their own oppression. Very mm. horrific what Obama and Michelle have done. Mm. And people need to face that truth. Mm. So this is this website is where you people get uh, an analysis of what's happening, but also the answer of what needs to happen in order to really get rid of this the system, and, and not just Trump and Pence, but this whole system completely. And um, so people can go to Revcon.us to join the Revolution Club. They can, um, well, they can call me. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, we actually have a phone number, but I can't remember it, actually. It's on my phone, and I'm talking on the phone. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, let me see. It's the the nine one seven number or a different one? Huh? Is it the nine one seven number? Nine one no, it's um, it's actually you have my number. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> it's um, here I can get it on my phone if I. I don't know it unfortunately. Oh sure. Um, I can I can look up your if it's your actual phone number I can look that up it if you're five one zero. Four six seven seven three five nine. Maybe that's what you said. Oh, okay. Oh, right on. Yeah, I was thinking of another number from Everything Refused Fascism. So. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, people do need to, you know, get involved. Um, if if people can can see a different society, you were talking about uh, that. Um, before I called in, mm -hmm. there, it, capitalism is not the only system. Right. There's been feudalism, there's been slavery, and so it's not the only system. So we, we, can, we can see that from history. So there's a, another system that's possible. Yeah. And people need to understand that we're so trained into thinking this is the best way. Well, yeah. It's not the best way for millions of people. Yep. You know, it's the best way for the ruling class. Yeah. Yeah, but people need to need to understand that there there has been um, Baba Lakin has been studying past revolutions. Uh, he's the chairman of the Revolutionary Communist Party. Mm -hmm. He has studied past revolutions, and since the '60s, has you know done a lot of work and has understand understood um, and further developed what Marx began. Yeah, 
which Marx laid out a, a foundation of communism and how capitalism works. And that's how we can have an understanding now of this is not the only way. There, there can be a different way where how people relate to each other. Yes. In a, we are all humans, and we have the capability of living in a humane way without all this exploitation, which is a horror. Yes. Especially for women. Yes, you yes. Know, this patriarchy that's it's disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting when one in four women will be sexually assaulted. And LGBTQ and people, quote-unquote, outside of the norm, mm-hmm. face the same nightmare. Yes. You know? Yeah. Anyways, I'm going on and on. But people need to get involved. People need to... If, if people don't get it, you know, if they're not communists and they don't... They don't as, as the system, this whole system has um, given false um, information on communism... People not into Baba Veiki and people not into communism, that's okay. We are right now uniting with millions of people that hate what's happening. Yeah. So in and wherever you wherever you get organized, one thing is like I said earlier, we need to get organized for for one purpose and that purpose is to oust them out in order for to save humanity and the planet. Right, right. So that's that's the main goal right now. That's the main goal. Because if we don't do that, it will be almost impossible to rise up yes. once it's consolidated. Yes, yes. Oh, it's definitely... Uh... So, this is, this is good. It's a, I like your show. Oh, thanks. Um, I wish I would have heard it, heard it earlier. But um, oh, I think sure. that's... Yeah, I been, feel like I'm talking too much. Oh, no, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I prefer when, when guests come in or call in because I really want to be able to, to share the space with folks and just to learn a lot and to have folks yeah. who can perhaps articulate. I tend to get very emotional. I think a lot of us get emotional, but I definitely get yeah. emotional. And I, I know we were talking about that a bit last night is that sometimes yeah. emotions can overtake either reason or logic or uh, yeah. arg- arguments. And so I, uh-huh. it's, um, it's great just to find more information and more facts and more ways of communicating or debating what's happening and to express what's happening yeah. instead of just from a solely, oh, because it's wrong and it makes me sad because that doesn't always yeah. win over people. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't make you sad, there's something wrong with you. Yep. You know, if this doesn't outrage you, there's something wrong with you because this is damn... Uh, depressing, mm-hmm. you know, and um, however, those emotions, righteous emotions, need to be um, channeled to to getting rid of it. Yes, because otherwise, you know, we're we're not doing us, and we're not doing humanity any good, um, be, be, because it's it's. Because we're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got stuck there, but but it's it's righteous. I understand your emotions, and and it is. It's true. It's heartbreaking to see. Every morning, I I put on the news, and it, it's just so hurtful. And sometimes I can't even hold it. You know, I just have to cry. Yeah. But what keeps me going is knowing that there we know a, a way out we know what's needed yes and and to work towards that that's what keeps me going yeah um 
having this scientific understanding that there is a potential to make a difference. And it, it is up to the people. You know, this is great, actually, that it is up to the people to make this change, to make this happen. Yes. We don't have to wait for anyone. Right. We don't have to ask, you know, the Congress. We don't have to ask the government. Yes. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. It is up to the people. Right. You know? Right. We don't have and to wait is, to 2018. Hmm? Yeah, we don't have to wait till 2018. Right. Yeah. Right. And this is what happened in Egypt. And this is what happened in, in, um, in South Korea just a few months ago. You know, the people are, are in the millions have the power to make this happen. Yeah. Because the, the, the system will have to respond to those millions of people who are saying, hell no. Yes. You know. So that's the, that's the good news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always refreshing to hear good news, especially in, in times like this. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what we have to work towards. And that's what I, I you know, I put my career on hold. Um, and that's what I'm putting my, my effort towards, um, because we have to give it all we got for this small, for this small chance of an opportunity. Yeah. Cause we can't, I, I just can't imagine in the future, if there's a future when, when the future generation asks, you know, what did you do to prevent this from happening? Yeah. You know, cause when I was in school learning about the Holocaust, yep. I couldn't comprehend how could that happen? Yeah. Millions of people were tortured, were killed, and I could not comprehend that. Yeah. You know, how could that happen? And, and no one said anything. And so that's, that's what I'm preventing. Yes. And I'm yeah. saying, no, that's not going to be me. Yes. You know, because it, it's, it's just unimaginable yeah. that, that the Holocaust happened. And, and, but that's been happening. Not not in the exact way, but it it's that's how America was founded on genocide, yes. and slavery, you know, on killings of millions of people until to today, mm-hmm. and we can't continue that. Nope. <sighs> and uh, what you were saying before remind me that there's that great Alice Walker quote: uh, "The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any." By what? Uh, is by think uh, the most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's really in line with what we're talking about with just people having it's it's up to us to to make the change and not rely on elected officials or other people yeah. to come out and save us. Yeah, you know, us in the millions, us in the millions have the power. Yes. And that's how we need to get black people involved in this understanding. You know, it's hard for the most oppressed to to comprehend that they have they're very powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, because of how this system has trained them, that they they are useless. They have nothing to offer to the society. That's how they are being trained, mm-hmm. and that is completely BS. Yeah, yeah. You know, when black people fight back, when black people rise, other people rise. Yes. You know. Yes. And that you we've seen that through the '60s. And we need to get we need to get them involved in in, in getting out in the street, mm-hmm. and that that's one thing we're doing on Saturday tomorrow. We're going to East Oakland mm-hmm. and bringing this message that they they have this power and they have to in order for for you know this law in order to prevent 
from destroying black people. Um, as we know, it's destroying everything. But in, in this particular thing, how it's going to affect black people, yeah. it's going to be even worse than we've ever seen before. Yes, yeah. You know? And so we we need to bring this message that it it they have to they have to fight back. They have to rebel, and it it's and they have a lot of power. The youth. Yes. Oh, my yeah. My goodness. Yeah. They're beautiful. Yeah. Look at what happened in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. You know, they are black youth are beautiful and they are very, very uh, angry and they should be. But they need to take that out on the streets, mm. you know, and, and people notice when black people rise up. Yeah. Yes. Oh. <sighs> Yes. I mean, that's all I got to say. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you so much for for sharing all of this. It's I feel like it's these conversations that need to keep on happening. And I I appreciate what you've you've shared today and then also just in the time that I've known you. I'm inspired. Yeah, I'm and, inspired and, by and you. You're doing it. You're being part of it too, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um the work that you've been doing and the work that we need to continue to do, you know? Yes, absolutely and hopefully get more and more people to join us. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Cool. Well, thank right. you so much for calling in and perhaps I'll yeah. see you tonight Thanks, at the, Roman. uh, sure. There's the rally at Justin Herman Plaza tonight at 5 PM for folks who are interested yep. in joining. Yep. Hopefully I'll be there. Right on. Cool. Well, okay. Thanks Talk for calling in. Soon. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. bye. Cool. Thank you so much to Maya from the Rev Club for calling in. And again, you can go to revcom.com us uh, for more information on the Rev Club and also the event that's happening tonight here in San Francisco is starting at 5 p.m. and it'll go on until about 8 p.m. and that's at Justin Herman Plaza which is at 1 Market Street it's right by Embarcadero and that is uh, Stop the Raids and Deportation Stop Trump's Program and so far hundreds of people are said that they're going over a thousand have said they're interested so it should be a pretty good big crowd tonight and this was put on by the Answer Coalition. So we're going to take a bit of a music break, and then we'll be back with some more news. How can we as a public buy into the realism that police bias training could work when you have so many incidents like Tony Robinson, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott, Sandra Bland, Eric Garner, somebody who gets shot next month? Tonight we're going to ride for Tony Robinson. Tonight we ride for Alex Nieto and Dalton Sterling. Tonight we gon' ride for Oscar Grant, Philando Castillo. Yeah, we gon' ride for the ones who might die tonight at the hands of the police. Oh, that's me, friend. I told him to get his head open. Oh, my God. Please don't tell me he's dead. Man, I'm dead. Ten minutes ago on the streets of Frisco, I was murdered.
It's hands up, don't shoot. Don't we take it to court, the jury says no proof. We ain't waiting for the verdict. It's like we ready heard it. So tonight we ride for all of those that got murdered. Amongst us, D-boys, pimps, and the hustlers coming together to seek justice for sisters and brothers. No longer here, no proper burial. So we take it upon ourselves for ritual, ceremonial dances for the ancestors. Staging the gravesite, healing with the family, but knowing that it takes time. Building harmony within the solidarity. Apply code of ethics and more with transparency. We want a revolution and moments turn to movements. Supported by the OGs, but led by the students. It's a must, we gon' put aside our differences. So when the time comes, we uprise and finish this. Now. Tonight we ride for Tamir Rice and Alex Nieto. Tonight we ride for Walter Scott and Mario Welcome back to the Weekly Review. That's a new song that was put out by Mike Marshall featuring Equipto, who's here from uh, San Francisco, and that's called Tonight We Ride. Ah, so getting back into some news, and there'll be some positive news stories. I always try to have some positive news stories uh, during the show, because a lot of what's happening is depressing and heartbreaking, and we also need to recognize the good things that are happening and people taking action, because that can be very inspiring. And I found also, so one theme of the show has been people in positions of power doing things that mess that up for the rest of us. And then the positive news stories are preventing bad things from happening or shutting down things that are problematic. And when I started doing the show back in 2013, 2000, yeah, 2013, wow. So something I focused on a lot was just cannabis legalization and decriminalization across the country, which is good. And of course, uh, a lot of it is, why was this even illegal in the first place? And so sometimes the the good news happens to be, oh, we're trying to correct something that should not have been here in the first place. We're trying to to change the the situation, and it's a shame that that's what what's what's happening. So 
now there's more, I've kind of paid a little bit less attention to that. I, I still think all substances should be legal. I'm a prison abolitionist. Uh, people should have every right to put in their bodies what they want to put in. That's, you know, there's no, no question there. And I think as, as we're moving towards a more efficientic government, uh, it's crucial to also look at some other steps that are in place to prevent uh, ways to ways to stand against them. And so I haven't talked about cannabis much on the show today. <laughs> that's probably as much as I'll say about it. But again, it's uh, important to recognize the, the progress that's been made. And again, realizing that it's a shame that it's considered progress when in fact a, a medicine that's been growing in the ground that's been around for a long time is somehow you get punished for using it, for using medicine. And that in some places in the country, it's still illegal. That just blows my mind. It's ridiculous. So I want to talk about some positive things that have happened. And first up, one thing that folks can do, we're talking about creative, you know, not necessarily even creative, but just like actions to make a difference. And part of that is divestment. So people can move their money. So if you're banking with big banks, a lot of which have funded the the pipelines, Wells Fargo, Citibank, Bank of America, as well as funding some other not so good things, uh, move your money to credit union. That's one easy, relatively easy thing that one can do. There's a lot of great credit unions around. So do not participate with the folks who are investing in these pipelines. So from, this is actually from uh, Santa Monica, California. So we heard last week, both Seattle, Washington, and Davis, California had decided to divest from Wells Fargo over the next couple years uh, due to Wells Fargo's relationship with the pipeline and supporting the pipeline. And so now, uh, in solidarity with Standing Rock, the Santa Monica has decided to cut ties with Wells Fargo. Now, this article came out on February 16th and was written by Kate Cagle. Uh, in a show of support to activists protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline, the Santa Monica City Council moved forward with plans to end the city's banking relationship with Wells Fargo Bank. The city currently has $1 billion in annual transactions with the bank, including deposits and payments, according to spokeswoman Constance Farrell. Santa Monica's investment portfolio includes $4.6 million in Wells Fargo bonds. During a midnight discussion and a lengthy public comment period, Mayor Ted Winter reminded supporters of the divestment that applause is forbidden at city council meetings. So when five out of seven members voted to move forward with the motion, a wave of jazz hands shot up into the air. A vigorous sign of approval from attendees who pushed for the motion into the early morning hours. I've been to Standing Rock twice. I was on the front line every time. It made me very angry to see my people treated in such a manner, said Walter Ruiz, who also known as Grey Wolf. Ruiz was one of 25 activists who spoke to support cutting ties with Wells Fargo. He runs the Shumash Indian Museum in Thousand Oaks. I've always heard that Santa Monica was a very progressive city, but I didn't realize how progressive. I'm surprised. With the passage of the motion, staff in the city's finance department will look into removing funds from Wells Fargo and issuing a request for a proposal to other banks. A new RFP is scheduled for spring 2018, but may be expedited according to city manager Rick Cole. Wells Fargo is one of the 17 banks providing credit to energy transfer partners in order to build the pipeline, according to financial documents filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Other creditors include Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Compass, HSBC, Citibank, and Morgan Stanley, among others. 
Native Americans who live on the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation say the pipeline threatens their sacred lands and water supply. Protesters from across the country have traveled to the reservation to help keep the Army Corps of Engineers from beginning construction. They've also focused on the creditors behind the pipeline. So far, two other West Coast cities, Seattle and Davis, have moved to cut ties with Wells Fargo. The motion for Santa Monica to change banks came from council members Tony Vasquez and Terry O'Day. If you're paying any attention to national media today or, in fact, global, you know one of the most symbolic fights for our future is happening at Standing Rock over the Dakota Access Pipeline, O'Day said. It is a fight over sovereignty and respect for Native people. It is a fight over the respect of humanity and the future of humanity. The city council received more than 30 emails in support of the motion and just one in opposition. All five council members who were present for the vote supported the motion. Council member Pam O'Connor went home before the vote and council member Sue Hemelrich recused herself because both she and her husband have represented Wells Fargo as attorneys. All right. So again, positive news and ways for folks can take action. So if you can't make it out into the streets, you can also divest. You can also move your money. You can also not support big banks. That's a positive news story. Shall we go for two in a row? This is pretty awesome. Okay, this comes from Haaretz, and this came out on February uh, 16th as well. And the, the writer of the article is Tally Krupkin. Hundreds of Jewish and Muslim protesters march against Netanyahu and Trump in New York. Antifa protesters gather near a Trump Hotel to protest both leaders. Bibi and Donald Trump have a lot in common, and we have quite a lot in common with the resistance in Israel and Palestine, organizer says. They have a photo here of folks behind a, a big banner that says Muslim Jewish Anti-Fascist Front. Awesome. So in New York, the night after the first historic meeting between 45 and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, hundreds marched through midtown Manhattan to gather near Trump Tower and protest the meeting. They carried signs against Israel and Trump chanting, We don't want no Jewish states. Let's go back to 48 and sang songs in Yiddish. A few hundred protesters were of all ages. Sarah Flounders, who refused to give her age but laughed that she has been to this protests been been to this protest for decades, said, We are here in complete solidarity with Palestinians, Muslims in the US, and refugees. White nationalism, white supremacism, and Zionism have all been historically linked. Unlike many other protests against Trump and the protests against Netanyahu that were organized by the Jewish organization, if not now, and took place at the same time in DC, the demonstration in New York Wednesday night was part of the Antifa movement. And they say, of course, Antifa is short for anti-fascist. Antifa activists have gained a lot of media attention this week after Antifa demonstrators in Berkeley disrupted a lecture by Milo Yiannopoulos, a Breitbart star who has a reputation for vicious attacks on feminists, Muslims, and even SNL African-American star Leslie Jones. Many of the Antifa activists prefer anonymity to keep the media at a distance. Yet Michael Alexander, a New York writer who organized Wednesday night's protest, has agreed to share his perspective on the importance of the demonstration with Haaretz. Alexander said that there were about 2,000 members in his anti-fascist network. Muju Antifa, a Muslim Jewish anti-fascist front. And that they communicate with each other mostly by using the encrypted messaging signal uh, app. Signal. And other encrypted communication systems to avoid neo-Nazis who might target them. We are not affiliated with any other Antifa groups. We have our own understanding of fascism. We are paving our own way as Jews and Muslims. We were formed in the aftermath of the election of Donald Trump, first as a support network, but also for big public events like the one tonight. 
In the weeks following Trump's inauguration, there have been a few demonstrations each day in New York. And with all the different reasons to protest against Trump, it's not clear that there is time to protest Netanyahu as well. Yet Alexander explains that the protest against the Trump-Netanyahu meeting is crucial for creating unity among minorities, a process that has already been taking place over the past few weeks as Jews and Muslims united to protest the Muslim ban. We oppose nationalism in any form it takes, whether it is a white nationalism, Christian nationalism here in the U.S., or Jewish nationalism in Israel. The fact that Bibi saw fit to announce that he is building a five that he's building 500 new settlement housing units in the West Bank was a call to action. We see it at this, as the same struggle against oppression. Moreover, Alexander sees the unity between Muslims and Jews in opposition to Trump and Netanyahu as a key part in the resistance to the rise of the so-called alt-right in the U.S. We are trying to strengthen the ties between us as minorities so that we can win over a majority to the politics of liberation. Bibi and Donald Trump have a lot in common, and we have quite a lot in common with the resistance in Israel and Palestine. Those communities are going to be crucial to confront the united front that the, no- that the nationalist and fascist are forming, one that threatens the fabric of democracy. And they have some signs here. One says, no ban, no wall. And one says, ban fascism, not people. Although Antifa activists have been called anarchists, in the media, Alexander explains that the members of his network maintain a set of different ideologies. We have anarchists, socialists, communists, people who have never participated in a protest in their lives and don't identify as anything in particular. As opposed to the more underground and confrontational groups across the U.S. who are operating in secret, we are more open to new people who are just coming in and becoming radicalized and politicized. He also objects to the focus on the disruption caused by the Antifa protest. The record levels of violence against Jews, Muslims, and immigrants from the alt-right and the administration vastly overshadow any violence Antifa individuals are going to make. I think that what we stand for is mass protest, strikes, shutdowns. We see the solution coming from collective forms of resistance. (coughs) Alexander supports protests against speeches and public appearances by leaders of the so-called alt-right. Free speech is one thing and hate speech is another. Hate speech that incites violence against people that are already oppressed and facing violence here in the U.S. The impulse is to reduce the presence of people who say that we do not have a right to exist as non-whites, non-Christians. I feel that this is perhaps necessary. At this point in time, with the wave of hate crimes and from the alt-right, I feel like we have to exercise this right or we will lose it. Wow. So again, you can check out this article at Haaretz, and it's also been posted on the Weekly Review webpage which you can find at facebook.com slash weekly rev. My voice is starting to go. It's that time of the show. It's about 1.15 here. Coming up next will be Global Vow with Women's Magazine, followed by the Common Thread Collective. And I'm going to take a break, actually, since uh, my voice needs a break, and then we'll be back with some more news.
Lucy Gonzalez, born 1853 on a Texas plantation, grows up and finds love with Albert Parsons, moves to Chicago, hoping to escape the intolerance of their interracial marriage. Chicago at this time, growing immigrant population, exploited workers, revolution is in the wind. 1877, the National Railroad strike erupts. Government militias take the lives of 100 striking workers. 1879, Lucy is with child, working as a dressmaker, financially supporting her husband, organizing housewives, writing for the radical press. Fighting spirit, working hands. Lucy labors for the revolution. The Chicago Tribune says, when a tramp asks you for bread, put arsenic on it and he will not trouble you anymore. Lucy responds, let every dirty, lousy tramp arm himself with a revolver or knife and lay in wait on the steps of the palaces of the rich and stab or shoot their owners as they come out. Let us devastate the avenues where the wealthy live as Sheridan devastated the beautiful valley of the Shenandoah. On May 1st, 1886, workers across the country strike demanding an eight-hour workday. Lucy and Albert lead a march of thousands. Days later, police kill striking workers in Chicago. Anarchists, communists, laborers come together in Haymarket Square. The air is still. Police come in droves, demanding the peaceful mass of workers disperse. A bomb flung from the crowd towards the police. Chaos erupts. The police shoot at workers and at themselves. The air is smoke, fury, and death. Afterwards, the state terrorizes anarchists and communists. Workers' homes are raided. Lucy is not spared. Albert is arrested along with seven others who have nothing to do with the bomb. The state convicts these eight men. Anarchy is on trial. Lucy tours the country, organizing a defense campaign for the Haymarket Eight. Lucy says, Had I been there, had I seen those murderous police approach, I would have flung the bomb myself. I do not stand here to gloat over the murder of those policemen, but when a ball from the revolver of a policeman kills, it is as much murder as when death results from a bomb. The state executes Albert. Lucy grieves. Lucy gets back to work. She continues writing. The police steal and destroy her pamphlets. But Lucy persists, resists, exists. She remains irrepressible. She is alive in the streets of Chicago, joining picket lines with striking workers, giving speeches, handing out incendiary leaflets. The police continue to harass her. She is unyielding. Lucy helps found the Industrial Workers of the World in 1905. At the inaugural convention, she is the only woman to give a speech, arguing that sex workers be allowed to organize with the IWW. She travels the country, speaking to workers. Eyesight failing, her heart continues the work. Lucy heads south, fighting to defend the Scottsboro Nine, the unjustly accused Angelo Herndon.
1941, Lucy gives her last speech at the same factory that catalyzed the Haymarket Affair. 1942, Lucy dies in a house fire. 89 years of relentless struggle, 89 years of believing in the power of the working class, 89 years of believing in herself. The Chicago Police Department called Lucy more dangerous than a thousand rioters. Lucy said of the police, we cannot help but believe that where every law, every court, and every police officer or soldier abolished tomorrow with one sweep, we would be better off than now. May we all hope to be more dangerous than a thousand rioters. And welcome back to the Weekly Review. That was More Dangerous Than a Thousand Writers, which is a short film that was written, directed, animated, and edited by Callie Gallagher. You can find that. We posted that on the Weekly Review webpage. And you can also check it out at Sub Media, which is an anarchist news and resistance update site. And you can also donate. It's a really awesome film. I played the audio since we are on the radio here. And the visuals are really awesome. So I recommend folks check out the, the whole film. Interesting, informative and it's great to look at, so I wanted to share that. Before that, of course, Sex Pistols with God Save the Queen. I don't think I've really played them on the show much before, um, but felt the need to. And back in December, I posted a, a thread, posted a status update, I should say, of comment on your favorite anti-fascist songs, and people more than obliged, and the, the thread is still going strong. So a uh, friend Brandon Griggs suggested God Save the Queen, Moving along, we've got some more news updates. In an ideal world, we just have a lot of positive news, and that would be that. Maybe I wouldn't even have a show. Maybe I would. It would just be about positive news all the time. That's something to think about. Um, but unfortunately, there's not just positive news, and I think it's crucial to, to talk about that as well. So I want to get to as many different things as possible, as well as talk about the positive things that are happening. Uh, also, yesterday was the Day Without Immigrants, so many folks across the country uh, decided not to go into work, and some folks were marching. There are some video footage from like Charlotte, North Carolina, and around the country of folks uh, saying, you know what, we're not going to take this. So I wanted to mention that, and I wish I had some more information on that or more a concrete statistics or news stories in particular. Just I saw like a lot of pockets from around the country and a lot of firsthand folks speaking about that, so I wanted to pay tribute to that. So that happened yesterday, which was February 16th. There seems to be like a lot of ongoing protests and actions happening, and that's great. So glad folks are, are staying active and supporting, yeah, supporting one another. So here's another article. This is from, uh, uh, it's a uh, race baiter, which is R-A-C-E-B-A-I-T-R.com. And this is something we talk about on the show a lot is uh, prison abolition and how uh, just wanting to recognize that there are the folks who are incarcerated and how things would be a lot different if there were not millions of people who are incarcerated. And I touched upon that a little bit earlier with talking about cannabis because there are, of course, plenty of people who have been imprisoned simply for smoking or selling 
cannabis, which is a medicine. And it's ridiculous that somehow big pharma is okay to do whatever they want to do with some substances that are harmful. Uh, yet something that's grown in the ground is still considered to be illegal. That's just ridiculous. And also to talk about the courts, we've been talking about the courts and the laws and the unjust, the unjust justice system, which is not just, and who gets who gets arrested. And thinking about also after the election, I mean, the elections are whole other stories. But then when people talk about oh these people didn't vote or people couldn't vote, and thinking about people who are incarcerated and the folks who don't have the ability to vote, whose votes have been taken away from them at a very young age, that so you get. There's like a misdemeanor or something really minor when you're a kid and then you still might not get the chance to vote and then your voice is not heard. So there's millions of people who I'm sure would be out there in the streets with us, who would be out there voting, who would be out there changing society. But because of these unjust laws, they are incarcerated. So this article uh, is about the the Vaughn Rebellion and this is written by uh, Diana Furukawa. All prisoners are political prisoners. The Vaughn uprising and how ignoring hostage strategy forgoes our freedom uh, excuse, this, excuse me that that was the illustration was uh, by uh, excuse me it was by Diana Furukawa and the article is written by Jess Krug uh, for the 80,000 to 100,000 of us in the hole for the more than 2 million of us who are incarcerated for the nearly 5 million of us on probation or parole we have voices we have knowledge we are not symbols through which others may build their careers, construct their rhetoric. We do not need to be saved. We are not awaiting the new hire from the right NGO to devise the right programming. We are, we have always been, the revolution. This essay is for us. It begins with the premise that all prisoners are political prisoners, even and especially those whose names you will never know, who write no treaties, treatises, who aren't memes and for whom you never have marched and never will march. Far too large a segment of the black community, particularly those focused on acquiring wokeness merit badges and preoccupied with representation over political action, consider the prison industrial complex in the abstract while excluding incarcerated people entirely from their conceptions of community and political organizing. This exclusion is based on an uncritical embrace of exceptionalism and classism, an elitist and hierarchical understanding of politics, and a narrow view of history and society predicated still on medieval European Christian notions of the worthy and of redemption. Are we serious about wanting a revolution, about wanting our freedom? And if so, what history and whose history? And in history, the H and the I of history are in parentheses. Are we okay? So, and if so, what history and whose story are we telling to get there? On the morning of February first, a group of hostages of the state who were incarcerated at the largest prison in Delaware, the James T. Vaughn Correctional Center, rose up. Many have written about the crushing brutality of life inside of Vaughn, the extensive warehousing of people into solitary confinement the beatings, the overcrowding, the use of punitive food, the forced labor. The state's hostages used the only tools of negotiation for those denied even basic bodily autonomy, the threat against the lives of those whom society values infinitely more than their own. They demanded education, rehabilitation, and access to information about the ways resources within the prison were allocated through a fellow hostage who called the Wilmington News Journal. Early the next morning, 
Delaware State Troopers mounted a military assault on cell block C, the site of the resistance, and reasserted state control over the lives and bodies of those inside. As is the case for all others writing about the Vaughn Rebellion, I am relying here on, on sources that are deeply problematic. The single, at times, unintelligible call by a state hostage to the paper on the afternoon of the 1st, and a later call to the same newspaper by a woman whose son had called her from cell block C. I have not spoken with anyone in Vaughn. In writing this piece, I am relying on my own experiences, my own knowledge, and my background in taking seriously political ideologies that are articulated through action rather than words. I do not believe actions by state actors whose power is predicated on the belief that their hostages have no meaningful political or social existence, nor am I inclined to accept at face value the analysis of those who begin and end with material conditions. The notion that black political action can be regulated or controlled through an amelioration of material conditions is an old conversation perhaps the oldest in the world made by imperialism. In every corner of this hemisphere to which our ancestors were brought in chains, slave masters wrote at length about the possibility of preventing rebellion and uprising by providing adequate rations, clothing, rest, and accommodations. A foundational assumption of white supremacy and capitalism is that black and indigenous people have no political personhood and merely react spontaneously to material deprivations. Generations of novelists, scholars, and filmmakers well into the present have dutifully, dutifully, have dutifully rep replicated the assumptions of slave masters. But what if politics were inscribed through action, not the echoing, hollow discourse that normally occupies all of the space for politics? What if ideology is not whatever those with the greatest proximity to the structures of power they are supposedly critiquing formulate? What if the intelligibility, the legibility of rhetoric as political for those living relatively well within the system is not a measure of its power, but rather of its duplicity? How can we view the, the Vaughn Rebellion, the massive prison strikes that swept the prisons across the nation last fall, virtually unremarked, and the thousands of acts of everyday and extraordinary criminality articulating opposition to a system sustained through our blood? What if we view these acts as the political platform through which any true revolution, any real and meaningful overthrow of this anti-black political, economic, and social order will occur? When, in our history, has there ever truly been a revolution without this? And if it was so successful, how are we here like this today? <coughs> this essay is for us. We don't have the space for idle contemplation. I write this on the day that Oscar Lopez Rivera, famous Puerto Rican anti-colonial fighter, returned, returned to Puerto Rico. He had been incarcerated for longer than I've been alive, longer than Nelson Mandela was at Robben Island, and he spent 12 years of his time as a hostage in solitary confinement. The day Obama commuted his sentence was one of celebration in my hood, home to countless murals demanding his release, on the island and across the world. People sang and danced in the streets, as they are doing tonight, where he will live at his daughter's house until he is formally released from state supervision in May. Will one man's freedom, I wonder, 
yield anything for the millions of us who are not yet free? Where are our murals? Here, right here, this essay is for us. There are no murals, no marches, no t-shirts for those who live one breath away from murder by the state. Who is painting murals for sex offenders? Who marches to free those on death row whose DNA results don't come back right and who are featured on no spoken word album? On what t-shirt will I find the names and faces of my family members, neighbors, and friends who have knocked off liquor stores? A left-center consensus around prison reform for nonviolent offenders allows everyone to ignore the social and political means through which violence is produced. It allows for the midwives of murder to determine, in the end, the defining boundaries of the human. It makes that humanity, that belonging, conditional upon performing a holographic life free of threat, of even the shadow of threat, to a system laser-cut to our peril. If your political imagination and the borders of your sense of community stop before you, personally, have anything at stake, and you still believe that the murderous state is the best party to deal with those whose violence it has itself produced, then what are you calling justice? Why do, you, why do your calls for justice time and time again rely on the same white supremacist state as its mechanism? If you are offended by the notion of fighting for freedom beside a rapist, a murderer, and an armed assailant, by this argument being put to you by someone whose earliest memories are of assault, sexual, and otherwise, then what are you calling freedom, and what are its limits? This essay is for us, the guilty, fighting for a more expansive understanding of our community and our humanity than you can conjure. The words of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, or any of our other famous prisoners at home and abroad sing lullabies of reassurance. If only the disappeared would recreate themselves in our image. We tell ourselves under the flickering light from a street lamp through the window when we haven't managed to pay the light bill that month. Then we could listen. But a politics without credential, credentialed leader, without a credentialed leader may as well be no politics at all, we say, pouring ourselves another glass of leaded water. An increasing number of people on the outside are now at least passively admitting through reading Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow or watching Ava DuVernay's 13th that slavery never really ended in the United States, a nation that has long prided itself on the entirely false claim of being the first free republic in the Americas. But what does it say of, of the current political and social climate that 13th and Hamilton can both trend and sell, sell, sell simultaneously? What is the relationship between acknowledging that the criminal code of this nation is structured to continue alienating black people from our communities and the benefits of our own labor and glorifying a vision of the very architects of the, that system as portrayed through the idioms and bodies of the descendants of the enslaved? Those whose uncalloused hands clutch the microphones are relatively comfortable identifying the prison industrial complex, the school to pipeline, school, school to prison pipeline, and broken windows policing is problematic. Even when, even one of the primary engineers of the 1990s escalation and mass incarceration, Hillary Clinton, found it expedient to claim to be on the side of prison reform. Prison reform is as trendy as fair trade chocolate and has the same audience to those who believe that any problem is a failure of the system and can be addressed through its structures. Reform, accountability. What they don't see and can't see, 
what is in- invisible and unknowable and unfathomable from the outside, from the studios of MSNBC, from the halls of academia, from the offices of not-for-profits and blogs, is what is common sense for anyone inside. This is not a war that can be won through historical recreation or clever technology. A reordering of the fundamental political and social structures means that those who's best equipped to destroy and recreate are those at the greatest distance from power. A 501c3 status, a regular paycheck, a good credit history, these all signal that you, too, like so many before you, understand yourself too intimately through belonging and success in a genocidal system to ever truly act for its demise. You will call those striving to create a truly free political space reactionary, uneducated, violent, misinformed, and misdirected. You will ignore the transnational political and economic forms that we have created in the non-figurative darkness of the inside and call it a victory when we are swept up in mass and removed. This is for us, the unredeemed, the unphotogenic, the inarticulate, the guilty. This is not a plea for recognition of our humanity. This is an argument that failing to do so is the prophecy of your own inevitable demise. So I return again to the Vaughn Rebellion, to the little we know about the moment in which hostages rose up to invert the flow of power. This was, this was not a hunger strike. This was not a labor strike. State hostages across the United States against impossible odds and with no resources initiated and sustained such, such actions for most of last summer and fall for months. The outside was silent. The outside marched and marched and marched, demanding that Black Lives Matter in protest of yet another one of our own murdered. The body count mounted, kept mounting, stays mounting. This was an escalation, as it was in Attica, as it is each time that hostages take hostages. The freedom fighters of Vaughn had material demands, including education and resources for rehabilitation. But their most radical claim was that they should be able to exercise power over the lives and bodies of their slave masters. This is not a new technique, as a student of any revolution of the enslaved can attest. This was what tens of thousands rose up to do in St. Dominique, Dominique, and how they created Haiti, the first free republic. This was not out of a deployment by Toussaint Louverture and the elite to to schemes of the French Revolution, as we are taught. It was not out of an instinctive protest against material deprivation. It was, rather, out of ideas rooted deep in the histories of political resistance to expansionist empires in West and West Central Africa, that freedom from tyrannical rule violating the basic ideologies of social being is the fundamental responsibility of those who love justice. Our failure then was in allowing the material uh, exigencies of the moment, the real threats of re-enslavement and starvation, to convince us that we need strong that we needed strong leadership in the person of someone who had proximity to the older systems of rule. This is the global tragedy of the supposed post-colony and an error that we cannot afford to keep committing here. We cannot pay the price in bodies. On the outside, we mourn our dead. We write articles, perform songs, and dance a thousand dances of heartbreak. The dead are enshrined forever. Hoodies up, hands up, hashtagged. But the problematic living behind bars in the hole? Silence, abyss, shuffling of feet, furtive glances from side to side, and angry insistence by those clinging to degrees, jobs, and copper penny shiny stories of their own hard work and exceptionalism, and not all blacks are criminals. Our posters of Mandela and 
L'Overture and Asada Shakur teach us that when the revolution comes, we will recognize it and we will immediately take up, well, if not arms, then bullhorns and play our part. The price of continuing to believe that you can and should reform and educate gang members rather than having them reform and educate you has been and continues to be a paid has continues to be paid in a never-ending river of blood turning our words thick red coagulated before spoken these posters of Huey Newton and Che Guevara these quotes by Mumia these names these known entities the ideas that we think we know on the outside have somehow of the ideas that we think we know on the outside have somehow done nothing to tear down the walls separating us separating us from us. As long as we need to be different on the outside, then we are a vital part of the structures of violence that create an inside. There is no stronger condemnation of cowardice in our community than our zealousness for being law-abiding in a society whose laws have always been directed towards excising us, not just from the body politic, but from humanity. This is for us, who refuse to conflate morality with compliance with the law or complicity in the targeted campaign of murder, slow and quick, that is, the United States. Whew. Wow. So this article is written by Jess Krug, and Jess Krug is an unrepentant and unreformed child of the hood. Whether dancing, doing research around the world, or teaching, movement is her first language. Much of her time, energy, and all of her heart are consumed in the struggle for her community in El Barrio and worldwide, whether against the violence of the state as manifested by the police, the encroaching colonialism of gentrification, or around issues of community health and environmental justice. She teaches, writes, and is an organizer with Harlem Copwatch and works with Revolutionary Fitness. In the end, she firmly believes that everything works better when remixed with uh, Barada. Okay. A lot, a lot of food for thought there in that article. And again, you can find that. Um, we've posted it on the Weekly Review webpage at facebook.com slash weeklyrev. Coming up next is Women's Magazine with Global Val. I'll do one more article. I'll read one more article, I should say. And uh, yeah, just a lot. Definitely a lot of reoccurring themes here. And I think it's really crucial that we talk about so many different folks are affected by this current regime. And as always, it's important to recognize the folks who are incarcerated and to hear from them and folks who work with folks who are incarcerated because that's, that's, it's all of us. This is about all of us. Uh, another website to check out is IndieBay.org, and they had an article out a couple days ago about raids that were happening on the Santa Cruz immigrant community. And so folks can check that out. There was an article posted yesterday, Thursday the 16th, uh, I'm not going to be able to get that, to that today, but folks can check that out. On The Intercept, Glenn Greenwald has an article, uh, The leakers who exposed General Flynn's lie committed serious and wholly justified felonies. And I think one idea behind this article is that there are still the, the Democrats who are somehow opposed to Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning's leaks, and yet we're celebrating uh, the leaks about General Flynn. So it's a very long, long article, and folks can check that out as well. Uh, from the African Black Coalition, uh, the African Black Coalition has pushed the UC University of California to terminate $475 million worth of contracts from Wells Fargo. Uh, so that's another story that goes into what we are talking about earlier with divesting. Also, there are protests at the hearing for Ambassador to Israel nominee David Friedman. And on February 17th, there was an article on Democracy Now! that highlights that a little bit. And there's some members, three members of If Not Now were arrested. Uh, so folks were there. And the last article I'll get to here is uh, from 
uh, WBIR uh, Tennessee, actually. Tennessee lawmakers flee bathroom bill event amid protests. And this is, I, I do believe that folks in positions of power need to be held accountable, especially with all these reprehensible anti-LGBTQ bathroom bills and all the, all the discriminatory bills that they hide as religious freedom or safety. Um, it's all just ridiculous. So in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, two Tennessee lawmakers pushing a bathroom bill and legislation declaring marriage between a man and a woman have quickly fled their news conference when protesters interrupted it. Awesome. Republican Representative Mark Pody had spoken less than two minutes Wednesday before a protester interrupted, saying, My marriage is just as good as yours. A gay couple held hands in the air. A woman's shirt read, You can pee next to me. Pody asked if they'd like him to go on. Protesters chanted, Pull the bill. They have a video here with... uh, they have a video here with some and for more sound bites, and we'll see if we can get that playing in a little bit. That's a pretty short article. Uh, let's see what we got. Protesters crashed the- uh, this is the mainstream media, so I'm not going to d- deal with their take on it because I'm sure it's going to offend me in some way. But I'm glad for the protesters for speaking up and for interrupting these uh, Republicans. And I'm not even going to quote the Republicans, and I am going to quote the protesters who, who shouted, the crowd shouted, Cowards and shame. The bathroom bill would require students in public schools and public colleges and universities to use restrooms and locker rooms of the sex on their birth certificates. Uh, I think these... I'm not actually going to say what I think of these lawmakers because it'll probably get me in trouble, but um, I am happy to see here the all the folks who stood up against these lawmakers. And there's a lawmakers across the country who are just causing more harm than good. So I want to encourage people to continue speaking up. All right. We're going to play a song, and then coming up next at 2 p.m. will be Global Val with Women's Magazine. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, if you'd like to sponsor the show, that would be a huge help. You can contact me. Uh, you can find a way to contact me, I'm sure. You can also call into the station at any time. Our number is 415-550-0511. A big thank you to Maya from the Rev Club for calling in. And for everyone out there doing what you can for spreading the word, um, being there for each other, trying to end this fascist regime uh more power to you so we'll be back next week and we're gonna end on some uh, l7 followed by another song so and by the way start off the show with a song by power bottom called big beautiful day so gotta support the queer artists out there thanks again for listening and we'll be back next week
Tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> That is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative 
him to smoke it. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. This is Tusha Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for me fun dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is